Hello and welcome to the Brodacious Book Club. The podcast where we host a book club. And I haven't read the book. I'm your host, Matt Thomas, and with me is my good, good bro, the Professor X to my magnet bro, Aaron Rockford. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Oh. Every episode, we review a new book read by me and discussed with Matt. I have to know nothing or very little about the books discussed, providing a sort of sounding board slash peanut gallery with occasional humorous bent. Basically, if I understand the book by the end of the podcast, so will you, and that means we've done our job. We help you, the listener, understand the often humorous nuances of books and stories without having to read them. Because you're busy, and we get that. Of course, we will be discussing major plot points, so if you don't want spoilers, we encourage you to read the book beforehand, and then come back here and listen to our thoughts about it. This podcast is also meant for entertainment purposes only. This is a comedy podcast. We like to think so, at least. (laughs) We are optimistic. That's right. Um, And we mean no disrespect to the books or the authors discussed. We're not professional critics. We just think we're funny. That's right. And with that, we're (laughs) we're off into it. So, Erin, what are we reading today? Well, today, in our second episode of our spooky Halloween-themed month, we are reading The Twisted Ones by T. Kingfisher, which is a pen name for Ursula Vernon, who writes, I think, children's books as Ursula Vernon and older stuff as T. Kingfisher. Super cool. Yeah. I love it when authors use pseudonyms. (laughs) They're both like very cool names. They really are. Yeah, it's so cool. So cool. T. Kingfisher is very much like old-timey kind of almost cosmic horror kind of thing. It is, yeah. What a good name. Love it. Do you have a date for publication or is Um, it recent? Yes, I believe it came out in 2019. 2019, okay. Or at least... Within the last few years. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And I guess what's our setting? Do you want to just kind of prepare the stage? Yeah. Yeah. So this is, I I think I described this last week as a more traditional horror story. Mm. Obviously, it's not a, a classic. It's a recent publication, but it has more of the sort of common tropes and like recognizable spooks. Okay. Of sort of a contemporary setting. Okay. Um, as opposed to the one we read last week, which was, of course, a science fiction horror. Yeah. So is this more like realistic fiction with ghosts and monsters or? Um, yes. Yes. Interesting. Don't, <laughs> don't want to give away too much. I see you tiptoeing no. <laughs> on those eggshells. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's fine. We can save that. I guess. Can you tell us a little bit about some of our major players here, our key characters? Yeah. So our main character is a woman named Melissa, mm-hmm. uh, though she goes by Mouse. I'm not entirely sure if we're ever given a backstory as to why. Sure. But anyway, her name Cute, is Mouse. Distinctive. Yeah. Mouse. She's a freelance editor. Mm-hmm. And the story is framed as if she is writing it. It's all first person. Oh, um, I love that. Yeah, and it's framed as her sort of recounting this tale sure. of this thing that happened to her. So obviously we get the information very early on that like she survives all of this. Mm-hmm. So if that's a comfort as you're reading, as you're as you're listening to it. Interesting. Kind of like investigative journal articles or kind like of. check-ins during yeah. her investigation. Like are they written almost as diary entries or... No, no, it's all written like you would write a, well, like you would maybe write a biography Mm. after the fact of, like, these are the events that happened. And there's sort of a narrative at the 
beginning of her talking about like needing to get this down mm-hmm. because it was weird and spooky and okay, you know that that kind of framing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Very interesting. I I, I we, we talk about this all the time mm-hmm. on and off mic, so I apologize for bringing it up again. <laughs> but I'm reminded of the uh, SCP universe and a lot of the <laughs> their their short stories, their anthologies are made up mm-hmm. of. Um, reports and sometimes mm-hmm. first-hand first-person reports and things yeah. like that so just really good for immersion you know yeah. putting you right there in their in their skin in that situation yes. so cool love it the other thing i really appreciated about this book is that she mentions early on the other i guess i guess principal character is her dog bongo oh, that's lovely yeah and we are reassured right up at the beginning that Bongo also survives the events good. of this I was novel. good. That was literally what I was going to say next. He better not yeah. have a finger laid on him, I do, my sweet Bongo. I do appreciate that, like, again, in these sort of opening couple of paragraphs, she's like, I'm going to tell you about this spooky thing that happened to me, and my dog was also there, and he's currently asleep beside me, so he's <laughs> fine. That's nice. I think that that probably, like, to me at least, kind of speaks to the audience audience that (laughs) that our author be it t kingfisher or ursula vernon is is shooting for right i feel like if this were a horror story written for boomers they wouldn't they wouldn't bother to put in that kind of uh advisory right off of the right off of the get but i love it i love it very good so our key players are mouse and her dog bongo yeah freelance editor Mm -hmm. uh, investigating some spooky stuff Uh, Not necessarily investigating. Okay, just Um, experiencing. Just experiencing. The setup that we get right at the beginning is basically that her grandmother has passed away. Mm -hmm. And her grandmother lived in this old house out in the countryside. And her dad has asked her to go and clear the house out. Mm -hmm. Because I guess her grandmother was a bit of a hoarder, had a bunch of stuff. And I think she sort of agrees because her dad is like not really up to the task. Mm -hmm. Even though she's not entirely keen on the idea. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. Because obviously that sounds like the worst thing. It does. That sounds very unpleasant. Yeah. But interesting. Okay, mm-hmm. I see. So a spooky premise. It's mm-hmm. kind of a spooky setup. Yeah, mm-hmm. I wonder what she's going to find. Mm-hmm. I wonder what her grandma's been hoarding. What's mm-hmm. What's grandma been hiding? And what's grandma been up to? Yeah, <laughs> who knows? Also, I'd like to take a moment at this point to point out that my first and until you mentioned that the grandmother had passed away, my only note that I had so far was just single word, spooky. Just a, a bullet that says spooky. That was the only note I had. I just thought that was, I saw it and it made me smile. So I thought I'd share it with our, um. our lovely listeners. Great. So you've kind of, you've given us somewhat of the arc. You know, you've given us kind of like that introduction, set up the players, kind of set the stage reluctantly. <laughs> and we're we're ready to dive in, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah, I think so, so too. I, if there's nothing, no other introductory details you need, then please take yeah. it away. So... Again, like I said, the house is in the middle of nowhere because, of course, it is. Does this take place in the States or? Yeah, sort of vaguely. Like, it's in, I think it's in Appalachia specifically. Okay, yeah. Countryside, United States, which I realize is maybe not all that specific. Um, because <laughs> well, like, you said vague, so fair <laughs> enough. We probably are given, like, a state. I just didn't write it down because I'm. Sure. We're Canadian, and who cares about U.S. states? What are states, anyway? <laughs> states. Have to memorize yeah. fifty of them. We got thirteen. Come on, just, 
unrealistic. I've just alienated our <laughs> Again, yeah, our American like listener base just plummets in the stats. Yeah. Then, we're sorry, we're sorry. We realize it's a delicate time. We won't make fun of you. And the story begins like she has this conversation with her dad. She heads to her grandmother's house. She has sort of an old truck and she just kind of shows up in her truck with her dog, gets to this old house, and it's just a mess. And like I said, grandmother kept quite a lot of things. Mm -hmm. She has a room full of realistic baby dolls because of course she does. Oh, Because why wouldn't you have that? Okay. (laughs) Sure. If you have, sorry. (laughs) This is such a, you you mentioned that there were horror tropes here. This is such a horror trope. Like, at least one in every old person's creepy house. I have literally never seen a doll collection in person. This isn't a common thing. I just like to point out my my distaste already. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) She starts sort of going through the stuff. One of the other important background details is that she had this weird step-grandfather. So, not her grandfather by blood, but her grandmother's second husband. Sure. His name was Cotgrave. Wow. And he passed away sometime before her grandmother did. Okay. And they weren't super close, but, like, he was nice enough to her. Sure. She finds his journal is one of the first things that she finds and starts reading it just kind of out of curiosity. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it's very creepy. Interesting. It, it starts talking about how... The grandmother was, like, hiding things from him. Oh. Specifically, he refers to something called the Green Book. Oh. Not the movie that won an Academy Award. Interesting. <laughs> but something called the Green Book. And it's it's one of those things where she thinks... I, I, I'm trying to remember if they, they specifically say that Cotgrave had, like, dementia or something. But okay. it sort of reads maybe like he was not... Sure. In the best of mental health. Indeed. And he's trying to remember stuff from this green book. Mm-hmm. And he specifically has written down one of the lines, which is, I twisted myself around like the twisted ones, and I lay down flat on the ground like the dead ones. In his journal. In his journal. Creepy. Yes. <laughs> Super creepy. Okay. Yeah. And she thinks this is a little bit weird. And the phrase, the twisted ones gets stuck in her head like yeah. like that phrase will just go through her head as she's sort of going about her day okay and there's also you know some sort of standard horror things sure. like the dog is a little bit weirded out sure yeah um because dogs are <laughs> like animals are always smarter than humans That's in these right. situations That's right. i just gotta say I'm already so excited <laughs> i love this i love how suspenseful this is already yeah. <laughs> Twisted ones? Okay. Mm, twisted ones. And she's a little bit creeped out because she's sort of alone in this house in yeah. the woods. Yeah. Also, she doesn't have good service on her cell phone or anything because, of course, she doesn't. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> and so she's sort of throwing things in her truck to take them to the dump, I think, and, you know, just sorting through all this old stuff in the house. Right. And she meets one of her grandmother's old neighbors, mm-hmm. uh, this guy named Tomas, mm-hmm. who helps her move some of the heavy stuff. And he kind of is like, oh, like, be careful. Of the there's Sometimes there's some things in the woods. Like, be careful. And I think she's sort of like, oh, you know, like wild animals, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's not wild animals. 
<laughs> Tomas is like, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. animals. Yeah, yeah. bears. Mm-hmm. Mm. She she continues to read Cotgrave's journal sort of as she has some free time. And he talks about sleeping in the woods and feeling watched. And he refers to something as like white creatures mm-hmm. watching him. Mm-hmm. And she is also kind of like, oh, this poor old man. He was probably, you know, suffering from dementia just kind of dismisses everything because Mm -hmm. of that Mm -hmm. she has she calls her dad at one point and he is like you know if this is too much work you can just tear the whole house down like Mm -hmm. we can just have it bulldozed Mm -hmm. like that might be the simpler solution and Mm -hmm. and by this point she kind of wants to find this green book Mm -hmm. that she figures must be somewhere in the house Mm -hmm. absolutely where else would it be yeah exactly so she's she's intent on continuing to search for that reason and she takes Bongo for a walk in the woods the one day. Oh, um, the woods that she's been warned about. Yeah, the woods that she's been warned about. Uh, to be fair, I think there is very little other than woods to walk in. Fair enough. <laughs> and it's daytime, but It's right? daytime, so, it's fine. But daytime is not scary in horror no, books or movies, so you're fine. absolutely not. She sees, like, a strange woman in the woods, just oh, briefly. Sure. Who she's like, oh, a hiker. Sure. I was going to say, scratch what I just said about daytime being not scary. Is this, like, woman dressed as a hiker? Or is this, like, woman wearing, like, strange white ethereal nightgown? Um, I don't think she gets a great look at her. Sure, okay. The other weird thing that happens when they're out on this walk is Mm -hmm. that Bongo sort of leads the way. Mm -hmm. And he takes her up to, it's called an Appalachian Bald. Okay. um, Which is one of those, like, mountains with nothing on them. Gotcha. You know, like those hills. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big, like, rock guys yeah like a giant boulder almost very large yes very like like mountain size yeah large enough but there's like nothing on them they're just grass all the way over sure and she's like this is weird because i know for a fact that the land around my grandmother's house is flat Mm. there should not be a mountain here Hmm. but they are on top of a mountain hmm on this mountain slash kind of around it are these carved stones and as she looks at the stones in more detail she sees they have carvings on them okay and they're carvings of faces and of animals okay and they're all twisted Mm. (laughs) and she also realizes at this point that there's a very similar stone in her grandmother's backyard okay and she starts having these kind of intrusive thoughts about, like, maybe there's dead people under the stones. Mm-hmm. Like, just feeling that there's very much something off about this place, mm-hmm. besides the fact that it shouldn't exist. I was going to say, yeah, that's interesting. Is that is that explored anymore? Or just like, is it <laughs> is it alluded to be that this mountain's not on the maps? Or is it more alluded that, without giving too much mm-hmm. away, that she's somehow wandered into like a pocket dimension it's, or something. It's more of a pocket dimension I kind gotcha. of situation. I think I gotcha. she sort of goes through like a... Like a forest tunnel or whatever. Yeah, sure. yeah. There's there's like a bit of a transition I gotcha. period. Ooh, okay. <laughs> and she kind of gets lost in a trance for a couple minutes while she's staring at these rocks, but mm-hmm. she's able to snap herself out of it. And as she's like, okay, this is enough of that, and decides to turn around and go back to, to the grandmother's house. And she finds herself trying to, like, make a face like the rocks, like, trying to twist her own face in that way. Right. And she has this, again, sort of intrusive thought about, like, oh, I shouldn't do that. My face could get stuck like that. Uh. <laughs> yeah. 
And when she gets back to the house, she is startled by the arrival of a new woman who introduces herself as Foxy. Okay. And Foxy lives with Tomas, and they have kind of this hippie commune that was like down the road from Mouse's grandmother's. Oh. I'm unclear. I don't I don't think I was going to say I don't think it's implied to be sexual between there's a couple of other guys who live with them too. Okay. And they just are like free spirits, I guess. Hippies. Yeah, just hippies. Sure. And Mouse says about like, "Oh, have you ever Is there a hill?" around mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. a big mm-hmm. big mountain mm-hmm. and foxy says something kind of concerning about like oh yeah sometimes it's there sometimes it's not that is concerning which <laughs> pocket dimension i got gotcha. you yeah okay or something um, to that effect not to prescribe pocket dimension on it but indeed, yeah but yeah. like it's it's implied that it is not entirely of this world mm-hmm. and also about the stones foxy says mostly they're just carvings sometimes they aren't Okay. And that they she they just kind of leave it there. Gotcha. <laughs> Foxy seems to not know a lot of detail about this. Like she seems to know enough. <laughs> it's it's kind of implied that Foxy has just lived there a long time and like knows enough to mind her own business. Right. Right. <laughs> and to not look into these things. But not enough to move. Fair yeah, enough. Yeah, but not enough to move apparently. And Mouse dreams about the stones. Mm-hmm. Just they're kind of like haunting her a little bit. Right. And in the middle of the night, she wakes up and looks out her window, and there's a bunch of deer outside. Lovely. And there's one of the deer there's something kind of wrong with. Like, it looks like it's limping or... Twisted, isn't it? There's oh, something no. wrong with the deer. Okay, okay. But that's fine. It goes. She she goes back to bed she and everything's fine. She goes back to bed. She doesn't see the deer. Okay. Well, she sees that she's like, oh, deer with a limp. That's too bad. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Gotcha. Goes back to sleep. <laughs> goes yeah. back to sleep. Eventually, so she's talking to her dad somewhat often when she talks about when went throughout these days where she's just kind of combing through her grandmother's house Mm -hmm. um she ends up asking him how cotgrave died she doesn't really remember she just remembers that he died at some point Mm -hmm. and her dad says that he died of exposure after going into the woods oh and i think he was like partially eaten by animals and they just kind of assumed that it was because he'd been out there a long time Mm -hmm. but you know Concerning, indeed. Um, <laughs> Definitely. Why was he out there? You yeah. Why did he go wandering in the woods? Why did he go wandering in the woods? Yeah. And again, she's sort of filling her days with like cleaning out her grandmother's house, and then the one day when she's again taking Bongo for a walk, I believe, and outside she comes across a deer that has been kind of crucified. Oh. Okay. It's, yeah, I maybe should have warned for violence against animals. Fair enough. Um, up at the top of this, but it's still got its pelt, except on the skull. It's uh-huh. just a skull, uh-huh. which is upside down. Okay. And it's missing its guts. It's been, like, cut open. Sure. And there have been stones hung from the rib cage. Oh these God. sort of carved stones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in her mind, she starts referring to it as an effigy. Oh, interesting. Which has some religious connotations. Interesting. So she runs back to her house, takes off in the car, sure. just kind of in a blind panic. Right, right. I and mean, this thing just appeared outside her house, right? Yeah. Her grandmother's house. Yeah, say. like hung from one of the trees, basically. Um, yeah, that'll do it. And she ends up in the town that's like kind of nearby. Mm-hmm. And she's introduced to a local cop. 
she sort of ends up in a in a coffee shop and the coffee shop girl is like you okay and she's like there's something in the woods <laughs> damn right about that <laughs> didn't we tell you um, there was something in the woods yeah bears bears, bears. yeah so one of the local cops goes with her mm. like to go look for this thing obviously they don't find it mm-hmm. that's right because that's horror, how these stories go book, yeah and a couple nights later again so she sort of goes back to her her routine of cleaning i would have been out of here by this point oh, this would have been like nope no when you find the effigy <laughs> yeah. very clearly like crafted outside your yeah, house it's time to go honestly when you find the secret mountain that yeah, might be time that, to go but the secret mountain with the creepy stones indeed that sometimes aren't just carvings that's what i'm saying right yeah so yeah so a night or two later she wakes up because bongo is growling and she sees a white face in the window Okay. And she realizes that she's looking at the upside down deer skull. Okay. And that this effigy is right outside her window. It's moved. It's moved. And it continues to move. Like it moves away from the window. Okay. Standing upright. And as it moves, she hears the stones that Mm -hmm. have been hung from its ribs. Dangling. Knocking together, like as it walks. And she realizes that she's been hearing this sound outside her house for days. At night. Ah. (laughs) So she hides in the closet and spends the rest of the night in there. Sure. Safest place. In the morning, she does the smart thing and decides, you know what? No, we're not doing this anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm leaving. We're just going to bulldoze this house and anything that might be near it. Very good call. But she's still in this state of panic, Mm -hmm. as you would be, that as she's trying to get everything out of the house to her truck, she trips over Bongo Mm. and he takes off. Oh, no. Into the woods. Poor baby. Okay, yeah. And so then it's like, well... Now I can't leave because yeah, no I gotta find my dog. Yeah, I gotta find your son. Yeah. Your baby, yeah. I'm not gonna leave the dog in the woods with no the weird way. deer thing. Yeah. <laughs> Foxy shows up and comforts Mouse mm-hmm. over the escaping bongo. Does she um, explain any of this? Yeah, she says that she's called them the holler people. Foxy's older too. I don't know if I mentioned that. Like when I called them hippies, like she's in her like 60s. Okay, gotcha. She, she says she calls them the holler people. Okay. And that sometimes they make things that walk around. That, like, implying this is not the first time there has been some weird... Undeath. Undeath. Some weird necromancy going on. Yeah, some weird necromancy animal stuff going on. And that they have just kind of Mm -hmm. lived with Mm -hmm. that. Well, hippies, right? (laughs) Yeah. I guess this was their best chance. Fair enough. Like, I guess they've been unbothered by local cops. So, Foxy also gives her some herbs. Oh, nice. I think I what bet. I think I wrote down somewhere what they are hickory, oh. which is supposed to like ward off sure. evil deer effigies, I guess. Gotcha. And that's I guess what Foxy and her people have been doing. I was gonna say she would know how to do that. So. Yeah, Mouse tries to find Bongo, searches the woods, but doesn't have any luck. And back at the house, she moves her mattress into the bathroom because that's like the only room without windows. Gotcha. Which I would probably do the same thing. Yeah. And as she's doing that, she finds a manuscript that Cotgrave wrote that was him trying to recreate the Green Book. Okay. Um, Sweet. Yeah. And he had, like, hidden it from her grandmother. It's this whole story about the white people who are implied to be the same people as the holler people. Mm -hmm. And that this was the origin of that phrase about the twisted ones. Mm -hmm. There's... This story within the manuscript about the the girl who wrote the Green Book, which I think the Green Book itself is also telling 
her own story. Mm-hmm. She was potentially like a changeling, mm-hmm. um, i.e. like one of these white people that was left with a human family oh. while like their actual baby was stolen away sure, is sort okay. of the, the changeling mythos. And she was like writing down all these things about these these holler people, these white people, but some things were too secret to have written down. Also, Foxy comes by to like stay with her for the night to mm-hmm. like... You know, not have her be alone, which is nice. And they both are reading the manuscript. Mm -hmm. And she finds out that this, the girl was eventually found dead in front of one of these stones. Mm -hmm. And she had been pregnant with some kind of monster baby. Okay. It's it's all kind of weird and vague. And this is all like... Cotgrave writing what he remembered mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from this book, so it's it's a little bit unclear about... Yeah, slightly unreliable, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Foxy stays with her, and they, they see the deer, again, mm. the deer effigy. What Mouse realizes as she watches it, that it's been the lame deer that she's seen, mm-hmm. the, the deer with the limp. Mm-hmm, of course. Yeah. Of course. Because she, like, sees it come out, like, as this, like, weird limping deer, and right. then it straightens up. And then it straightens up. And it's horrible. Sure. Now, question. Is the... The deer itself isn't the holler, right? Mm-mm. The deer has been created by these holler people. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Just I believe sure. that's... That is my understanding. Gotcha. And it tries to get in the house, but it is unsuccessful. Just, like, goes to the doorknob and jiggles it yeah, and walks away? pretty much, Creepy-like, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> Not exerting force, but also, like, creepy. Yeah. <laughs> so the next night, they bring... Foxy comes over again, but brings two of the guys also mm-hmm. to stay over. Mm-hmm. And they also see the effigy. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, well, this is awful and creepy. Yeah. <laughs> True. Um, And they're right. Thank you for roping me into this. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, Foxy. I'm glad you brought us. The next day, Bongo comes back of his own accord. Mm -hmm. Good boy. Um, Yeah, which is great. He's unharmed. Again, he's fine. Good boy. Everything's fine. Yeah. And Mouse is like, okay, great. Time to go. Yeah, no kidding. Get out of here. But on Bongo's collar is a note that says help. Yeah. And it also has, so there's also this information that we get really early on that I believe Cotgrave was a soldier. Okay. And he used to draw, do you know the, the figure Kilroy was here? Mm-hmm. Not, not the Sticks album, but mm-hmm. it's like that that little guy, um, he's like peeking over. Oh yeah, 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 okay, yeah. sure. Peeking over like a little wall or something like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's got a long nose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's called a, a Kilroy was here. Oh, okay. I don't know all of the history behind it, but I think it started during the war like people would draw it as just like a a thing to do a thing to do i guess cool yeah so Learn something new every day with this podcast yeah yeah and cotgrave taught her how to draw it mm-hmm. that's like one of her prevailing memories of spending time with him as a kid mm-hmm. and there's a kilroy on this note for help mm. and so she's like uh, whoever wrote this must have known Cotgrave. Mm-hmm. And so she feels a responsibility to try and help whoever mm-hmm. this is. Mm-hmm. There's also this interlude where she tries to go into town and look more information up about Cotgrave and finds he was part of this like secret society type thing and is able to get in touch with this, like the, the head office or whatever. Sure. And it's implied that this is sort of where he first learned about the Green Book. Mm-hmm. And she calls this office, and the man who answers is just like, stay away. Yeah, I was going to say. What, Don't do it. She's a public, public number for yeah. a secret society. <laughs> I mean, you can call the, the Freemasons. Their yeah, number is 
one is available online. Actually, you know what? I learned recently that the head like Masonic lodge in all of Ontario. Can you guess? Hamilton. Oh. Yeah. For any any Ooh. listeners, that's, that's our hometown. Yeah. So. We should visit. We should visit. But uh, <laughs> go for a tour. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway. So so she decides she's she's going to go into the woods. Mm. Foxy insists on going with her. Mm. Foxy also brings a gun because Foxy is the only character with with sense sense yeah. apparently. So they they go into they go into the woods. Um, they manage to get into the tunnel that leads to the hilltop. Mm-hmm. So it's there, and the effigy follows them while they're going through the woods. But mm-hmm. it, once they're on the hill, it vanishes. Mm-hmm. Something tries to like while they're going through this like wooded tunnel thing something tries to like stop foxy from coming with mm. but foxy is able to Through keep up whatever, and they yeah, yeah okay. and and stick together because whatever it is like wants mouse mm-hmm. once they're on the hilltop again mouse starts to like feel the pull towards these stones mm-hmm. and she specifically wants to go towards the white stone which is this one sort of in the center of everything mm-hmm. The stone is also featured very heavily in the Green Book slash Cotgrave's manuscript mm-hmm. as like the thing that this girl writing the Green Book was obsessed with. Mm-hmm. So they, they go towards this white stone and they see that it's carved with an image of two people getting it on. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and whatever this was featured heavily in however this girl ended up being pregnant with a monster baby. Mm-hmm. And and they, they both recognize it from the manuscript and they're sort of like, Oh, this is this is the this is the stone. This woman comes up to them and Mouse realizes that this is the woman she's seen in the woods. Mm-hmm. The woman says that her name is Anna. She's super pale. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> she Creepy. says her name is Anna and she claims to have become pregnant because of the stone. Okay. Anna's like, you gotta come with me. I was the one who sent you the note. Okay. You gotta come with me. And suddenly dozens of these effigies appear. Okay. They're all a little bit different. Sure. But they're all... Effigies. Effigies. Nonetheless. Creepy. Yeah. Um, are they all deer? I don't think so. I think some of them are different... Different animals, animals. And stuff like that? Okay. But like deer... There's something about deer skulls that mm-hmm. is inherently creepy. It's I don't certainly. know what it is. Yeah. But... They're long. <laughs> They've got those big, yeah. big like holes in them for their yeah, eye sockets. Yeah, and there's the horns. Yeah, just antlers. Antlers is the word. <laughs> the horns, the deer horns. <laughs> yeah, right. So Mouse and Foxy kind of have no choice but to go with Anna because the effigies are everywhere, mm-hmm. and it's it's directly implied that if they resist, they will be killed. Mm-hmm. And there's also another man there who's also very pale. His name is Uriah. Okay. And Anna takes them sort of deeper into this land beyond the hill. And they walk through this this mysterious empty city, mm-hmm. like sort of ancient city, not like modern buildings, mm-hmm. like like stone buildings and stuff. She she refers to the hill as kind of an in between place. Okay. And Anna manages when they, she sort of takes them to like a, a cell, basically leaves them for a bit, and then comes back without the effigies mm-hmm. and says that she again she was the one to send them the note, and she begs them to help her. She says she was just like getting high in the woods, and mm-hmm. they took her, mm-hmm. and she hasn't been able to leave because anytime she's tried the effigies, or she calls them the poppets, mm-hmm. bring her back. She realizes that Cotgrave must have seen her. Anna mentions that she's part of these hidden folk, she calls them, which are the same as the white people mm-hmm. and the holler people. Mm-hmm. And these these hidden folk would go out into 
sort of the broader world and impregnate humans. Mm-hmm. She mentions that Cotgrave was was one of these like babies born as a result. Really? Yeah. Okay. Cool. And that she and this this other man Uriah are the only ones left. Sorry, the only kind of half-human, half-hollers? Yeah. Oh, so they are as well. Anna and uh, Uriah. Is, yeah. Is that his name? They're the only, yeah, they're the only remaining holler okay. people. I see. Oh, um, okay. And they're kind of being held hostage by the effigies. Oh. Yeah, and she claims that neither of them are the ones making the effigies. Hmm. Do I sense a bit of skepticism there? Yeah. Again, like I've, some of this gets very confusing. Okay. And like there's like like in a lot of horror things where there's like implication. Yeah. More so than like actual explicit confirmation of yeah, things. Yeah. It's sort of implied that like Anna has been giving birth to these effigies in some way. Oh, okay. Like kind of be like without her consent. Yeah. That she's been sort of used Mm -hmm. to give birth to these things but also the bones that they use are from people okay so i'm not sure i'm not sure how those two things work at the same time but that's okay yeah okay anna takes mouse and foxy to be presented before like a collection of these effigies and they decide that they're gonna keep mouse but they're going to turn Bongo and Foxy into bones to make more effigies with, mm-hmm. presumably. Mm-hmm. And Mouse realizes that Anna was sort of hoping that they would keep Mouse and let Anna go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was the way they were going to like help her. She was mm-hmm. sort of offering them up. Yeah. yeah, but that doesn't work. They they very clearly intend to keep Anna as well. Mm-hmm. And Foxy convinces Anna to instead help them escape. And Anna kills Uriah. Mm-hmm. And they they take off. Why does she kill Uriah? Because he's more on the side of the effigies. He's more loyal to the effigies. Yeah. As, as an other or an outsider. Yeah. Or what were they called? Uh, hidden folk, right? Yeah. Yeah. He was more loyal to them. So okay, she had to kill him to kind of help the others escape. Interesting. Okay. So they take off trying to get back to the hill to get back to like the quote unquote real world. Mm-hmm. And Foxy is shooting the effigies with the mm-hmm. gun that she brought. Mm-hmm. As they get back to the tunnel, Anna again tries to betray Mouse Mm. and is like, take her, let me go, Mm. kind of thing. Mm. But Mouse manages to get away from her by tripping Anna over Bongo's leash. Love it, yeah. And she and Foxy leave Anna behind to be taken by the effigies again. Boy, good boy, Bongo. (laughs) Good boy, Bongo. And Foxy fires behind them again, but Mm. Mouse doesn't look back to see Anna get kind of grabbed by the effigies. Yeah, Yeah. They get back out of the woods, and it's I think it's nighttime, because of course it is, and the front door of the house is open, Mm -hmm. and the deer effigy has followed them back here, and it's Mm. it's still going for them. And they run into the house and Mouse realizes that the bones of this deer effigy must have come from Cotgrave, or at least some of them mm-hmm, must have. Mm-hmm. And that's why it keeps coming back to the house. Why it keeps falling out. Like why it specifically has been so drawn to this place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And once they're in the house, another effigy appears within the house. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of implied that like somehow they can kind of reproduce 
oh, themselves with okay. like what's around them. Okay, cool. Sure. <laughs> and this one is made out of things that are around the house mm. because it's full of junk. Mm-hmm. And of course, part of it is made of doll parts because oh, grotesque. of course they are. Yes. <laughs> like That's why the dolls are there is so they can be made into this horrifying monster, monster yeah. thing. Literally, that's why the dolls are there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's implied that it's sort of been accumulating the things that she's thrown out. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's referred to as the hoarding effigy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it attacks them. They run upstairs. Foxy also has a lighter, and Mouse uses it to light the house on fire. Okay. Just once and for all, burn it to the ground. Yeah, absolutely. Get rid of this right. Yeah, and Foxy is starting to, like, not look so good, like, pale, sweating, like, mm-hmm. not great. They manage to get sort of out a window and then jump from the roof of the house onto Mouse's truck mm-hmm. and start to just drive away. There's sort of one last... One last scare where the hoarding effigy jumps out of the house onto the truck on fire, mm-hmm. but Mouse manages to swerve and shake it off. Sure. And then the original deer effigy just kind of comes and lays down beside it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Which is maybe a little bit sad. Yeah. Is and the hoarding effigy grandmama? I think that's the implication. Yeah. At least in the deer effigy recognizes it as grandma. Yeah. They go to the hospital and discover that Foxy has been having a heart attack, but she's fine. Okay. They go, she's fine. As you do. And she's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And they somehow manage to explain all of this in a way that doesn't get them arrested. Gotcha. And the house is... I think they say that, like, oh, the house just caught fire. Yeah, somehow. Yeah, to escape. Somehow. Somehow. <laughs> lightning. Freak lightning storm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we get the resolution that, like, what's left of the house after the fire gets demolished? Mm-hmm. And most returns to her regular life, but she's paranoid that the holler people will come for her again. Mm-hmm. And that, like, the, the effigies will return. And the book ends with her sort of realizing or reflecting on how terrible Anna's life must have been mm-hmm. held for some number of years and mm-hmm. like forced to have babies, monster babies. Yeah, yeah. she she also realizes that Foxy shot Anna with like the last of her bullets mm-hmm. as they were like just escaping mm-hmm. as kind of a way of Mercy. saving her. Yeah. yeah, to make sure that she didn't have to live that life anymore. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then that's. That's where the book ends on this. What? Yeah. Really? Oh my gosh, that's where it ends. Yeah. We're oh. like, everyone's fine, but like... Barely? Yeah. Oh, wow, that was so sudden. I was not expecting that to be where the end was. Fair enough, though, you know? like. Yeah. I was just watching a horror thing the other day, and the person I was watching it with even said, you know, like, ah, oh, they, they dragged this out too much. They should have ended it sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it's very much a horror thing to kind of end abruptly. Like yeah. a lot of a lot of horror movies and stuff, especially, are just yeah, like totally. cut to black. Yeah, and exactly. you're like, oh, yeah, indeed. Okay. You know, like the the main character gets grabbed by the legs and dragged away, screaming, yeah. cut to black. That's it. Curtain fall. Yeah. Yeah, and you're like, okay, I guess that's an ending. Yeah. Like, no, okay, wow. So I guess I guess it's over. I guess we're talking about it now. That was lovely. I <laughs> loved it. I love scary stuff. I, it was yeah. scary for me. I was on the edge of my seat. One. One thing that I do really like in horror fiction mm-hmm. is exposition, explanation. And I, yeah. I may be in the minority there. I'm not <laughs> sure. I, I know some people think that when you over-explain, then that kind of saps it of all its its mystique. But I like to know. I like that stuff, yeah. especially if 
it's a, a horror story as opposed to a horror movie. Mm-hmm. And how did you feel about the explanations given in this? Well, explanations were given, but not <laughs> like a lot of them. Yeah. Like explanations were alluded to, uh, yeah. which is fine. I think perhaps the author is not in in the the same school of thought as me about <laughs> giving explanations. You know, for that very reason, yeah. I wanted to preserve some of the mystique, mm-hmm. the mystery. Mystery. Um, <laughs> do you know if... Uh, mystère. Ex- exactement. Do you know if the author's going to be doing a sequel or... I unclear? don't think so. Okay. She just came out with another book called The Hollow Places. And sure. I was like, that sounds related. It sounds scary. Um, it yeah. does. I haven't read it yet. It just came out within the last month, I think. Interesting. I haven't gotten around to it yet. but And I don't think it's a direct sequel, although I wonder if it has anything to do with like the same kind of world Mm -hmm. well it's just there's still a lot of unanswered questions that i would have liked to have Mm -hmm. learned more about and i could understand if if ursula vernon if if ursula was if miss vernon was going to (laughs) uh say i don't call her by her first name that's disrespectful (laughs) uh can't call grown-ups by the first name (laughs) just wondering if she is going to be doing a sequel i can understand her not wanting to explain how the the hill is the in-between place Mm -hmm. or how there's kind of indeed a bit of a pocket dimension where these others, these haulers, these mm-hmm. twisted folk live. And mm-hmm. another question, are the twisted folk the haulers or are they the effigies? I think it's implied that the effigies are part of what the twisted ones okay. are. Okay. Yeah. And then, you know, if we want to take it on a deeper level, like, you know, is that what Anna is now? Is she a twisted one? Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, and... Or was she? Where did Grandma get this book, right? Um, Was Grandma involved in this occult? I think the the way that it went is that the green book was given to Cotgrave by the secret society of like people who I guess study or like know about these hauler people. Sure. Go away. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Who were not very helpful to her, but and then grandma took the book from him. To like hide it because she thought it was nonsense. Sure, sure. It's also implied that there was something about grandma that the holler people didn't like. I don't think that's ever super explored, but there was something about like it's mentioned that like grandma was kind of an unpleasant woman, mm. and that sort of offered Cotgrave some kind of protection, mm-hmm. sort of a Percy Jackson's mm-hmm. stepdad situation. Interesting. <laughs> So interesting. Still a ton of unanswered questions, though, like how this works, how this civilization was created and developed kind of And fell, obviously, yeah. Indeed, and fell since there's only, well, one left now, Anna, right? Well, indeed, not anymore, right? So you have so many unanswered questions, which, as I say, you know, is is, is good for preserving the mystique, I guess, mm-hmm. and some people like that. And I loved it. I I, mm-hmm. I really did. But I would have liked to have known more. I, yeah. That's just kind of in my nature, you know, <laughs> like the Cimmerillion, love it, yeah, give just, it to me, you know. Get into the deep lore. Absolutely. Get on the wiki, you know, like... Yeah. Again, I'm I'm going to do it. I'm going to throw it back again to the SCP Foundation <laughs> and the fact that there is so much content uh, there for me to learn and kind of wrap my mm-hmm. head around this collective collectively written fictional horror story. There's a lot of things to discover there, and I really like that. But indeed, I, I was still, yeah, I think I was still satisfied by this. As yeah. in, insofar as horror stories go, yeah. <laughs> 
I was scared. Yeah. I, I, well, well, I was scared might be a stretch. We're sitting yeah. in a in a bright room, you know, with yeah. <laughs> uh, with all this equipment and and whatnot. So difficult yeah. to be scared, but, but I was, like a little bit creeped out. I was thrilled okay. and and creeped out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I definitely found it to be a creepy experience reading it, like especially the depictions of like the deer mm-hmm. effigy. What? Okay. What is it about a deer that scares us? Like, there's know. a lot of things I have read that involve spooky deer. Are deers clove, cloven hooved? Do they have hooves? I think like so. Like pigs? I think, I think so. so. I think so as well, but I'm not sure. Is there a devil component to deer? I don't know. I'm, Are deer satanic? I'm literally going to look up <laughs> okay. what deer, deer's feet look like because... there was... Like, there's this, obviously. There's the book The Only Good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones mm-hmm. that involves a, a spooky deer. It's an elk, but... I see. There was a book about witches where the main Hooves. witch... Hooves. They have hooves. They have hooves. Okay. Yes. Feet so, of a deer. There you have it. <laughs> now, Google our deer satanic. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. <laughs> there was The Year of the Witching by Alexis Henderson, I think, is, sure. is the author's name, which featured a witch sure. with a deer skull head. Okay. There was... Short story by my friend Katie Bryski called The Bone The Bone Stag. Okay. The Bone Stag Walks. Also goats. Yeah. I think that's why we associate deers with creepy yeah. because goats are like satanic ish, you know? But like we don't associate horses with that's true. Satan, that's true. usually, no. I think. Horses we associate with Poseidon. Yes, exactly. Brosidon. Brosidon. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I know there's like indigenous legends about spooky deers in, in various traditions. Well, and you know, just not quite spooky deers, but omnipotent deers and like deer gods. That's a huge thing, right? There's a lot of lore about that, you know, like mm. the the deer god walking around with like the human face, you mm. know. that's That, that story is propped up in a couple places. So also now my, my laptop right beside me. It's just a bunch of pictures of deer effigies, like creepy, <laughs> creepy oh, looking. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> so, literally. Oh, and there's, like, Mary Lude. That's a, that's kind of a spooky deer. It's like a, well, it's not Christmas. It's like a Yuletide oh. tradition in Wales, I believe. And also, I probably butchered the pronunciation because Welsh is a nightmare. But Ah, uh, <laughs> yes. Ah, uh, yes. This one. Yes. This strange looking deer skull with a veil thing. Yeah. It's a deer skull, but she's a good spirit. Mm. It represents a regional variation of a hooded animal tradition that appears throughout Great Britain. Thank you, mm-hmm. Wikipedia. So, super creepy, but in any case, yeah, there is something about deer. I don't know if it's the cloven feet. I don't know if it's the hooves, the way yeah. that their skulls look super creepy, but... I just googled, why are deer spooky? And I have an article that says, what are the causes of spooky deer? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Interesting. Well, now I'm curious. <laughs> and a Reddit post saying why are deer considered scary in fiction which i think is probably more of probably, what i was looking that's for that's exactly what for. but i am curious about what the causes of spooky deer are <laughs> yeah i don't know like i don't know if it's to do with like the the idea of wilderness like mm. are deer just oh and in in hannibal which i've been binging recently mm. sometimes will graham has a hallucination mm. of a deer mm-hmm. maybe it's an elk i'm not sure it's a big Sure. It's a big deer. Sure, gotcha. Might be an elk. We should know this. <laughs> probably. Bad Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, there's probably taxonomy differences between deer and elk, but like big elk are bigger, I think. Yeah, much, I think. Yeah. Not as big as a moose, though. No. The moose biggest. Are, the, moose the, mooses big. are the biggest deer. Yeah, moose are real big. <laughs> but anyway, we've gone off topic. But what I, digression. <laughs> what I was initially trying to say was I wonder if it has something to do with like the idea of the wilderness mm-hmm. and how like lots of people 
have talked about this, about how in North American horror stories specifically, in North American horror stories specifically, there is a focus on like the wilderness as a place where scary things happen. Like mm-hmm. lots of, you know, your your Friday, not your Friday the 13th. Yeah, sure, your Friday, sure, your Friday the 13th. Yeah, yeah at a campground, a yeah. Blair Witch Project, yeah. you name it. Yeah, there's, there's a ton. There's a ton of, of movies and stuff where... There's there's something inherently kind of scary about being away from quote unquote civilization. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I wonder if the spooky deer is a sort of manifestation of that. Indeed, yeah, it could be. I think also deer are just very almost when you see them in person, mm-hmm. they're they're almost ethereal, you know, very yeah celestial <laughs> and in a way almost spectral, you know, kind of. Yeah. Why are you laughing? I'm curious. Oh. Why, what's, why is this funny? Because I was like, oh, that's definitely the thought you have when it like runs in front of your vehicle. And yeah, it's for like, real. <laughs> Celestial. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, heavenly deer. Yeah. yeah. No, but they can be kind of, they, they almost do seem a little otherworldly. Maybe that's, that's why as well. That's fair. Maybe that's that feeds fair. into it. Maybe all of this kind of, the confluence of all these ideas creates spooky yeah. deer. Yeah. That is the reason. That is the, the cause of spooky deer. <laughs> and they've got those weird long legs. That's true. That's true. <laughs> have you you seen you saw the spider did you see the spider deer what the it was it was on twitter i wonder if i google spider deer if it'll come up oh god no i've just i've just summoned some horrifying images that oh, wasn't god. what i wanted look at what you've summoned for me i'm oh god why did you do this i don't know i'm so sorry it's on my search history now i'm so sorry that was also what i summoned to my there it is don't Google spider deer. Don't Google spider deer. Unless you want to truly know why spooky deer. What what is the cause of spooky deer? Spider deer. Yeah, there there we go. This 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 guy. Oh, okay, sure. It's for our listeners who can't see the picture I have just held up. It was a. I think it was one of those things where like it was like a time lapse photo being oh. taken, and just the way that it was being taken, it distorted the image. So it's a deer. But it's got like five eyes and eight legs and too many horns. Far too many. <laughs> too many horns. And it just, it looks, and it's all night vision also is the part yes. that's creepy. It is on my Twitter somewhere if you Cel- wanted to search for it. Celestial heavenly deer. Yes. We've gone off topic. Indeed. We were talking about spooky deer. We were talking yes. about, so I think we were really talking about kind of the imagery mm. of the of the horror of this book. Yeah. And obviously it's it's got some pretty classic scary elements mm-hmm. of like something outside your window is mm-hmm. something I worry about all mm-hmm. the time. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Don't get me wrong. I really enjoyed our spelunking expedition. Yeah. Uh, but that's a reference to our last episode. However, having a, a horror story that's at least in part grounded in reality mm-hmm. kind of makes it much more accessible and makes the fear yeah. a little more real, right? Yeah. Like, last time I definitely felt a sort of empathetic anxiety for our protagonist yeah. but now but, it's it's yeah can you imagine waking up and seeing a dead deer skull I that can. then moves yeah, yeah, yeah like we can that's the scary <laughs> that's bit the right that's yeah. scary like my own grandmother mm. lives on a farm in saint Catharines in maybe not quite the middle of nowhere but close enough mm. and i have always been creeped out being there after dark because it's it's dark. Oh, yes. It's dark, dark. And pulling away and driving out into the darkness is only slightly less horrifying than the idea of, like, like I've never stayed overnight there. I would be very creeped out to stay there I'm overnight. Sure. What was the name of the scarecrow? 
There isn't a scarecrow, but there is an old nursing. Yes, this dummy. is what I'm talking about. Yes. What is what is her name? <laughs> Mrs. Chase. Her name yes. is Mrs. Chase. Very scary, <laughs> just off the bat. I remember you told me that when we were like in grade four. I was oh, like, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> oh yeah, I have I have pictures. Yeah. My grandmother changes her clothes every so often. Indeed. She's she's an old CPR dummy. Back when they gave them people faces, I guess. Indeed. And my grandmother was given Mrs. Chase as a gift when she retired. Which is very sweet. Yes. <laughs> Do you disagree? <laughs> I mean, it's maybe also a little bit cursed. A little bit, fair enough. We've we've definitely joked about like when when my grandmother passes on that we're going to have to burn Mrs. Chase. Absolutely, you otherwise are. she will follow us. <laughs> Start appearing everywhere outside your window, yeah, staring in. Exactly. So I can empathize with Mouse mm-hmm. being at her grandmother's mm-hmm. house and seeing something outside the window that should not be there. Right. Yes. I've um, had this nightmare before. There you have it. I found the the whole fox heart attack to be kind of out of the blue. Like, yeah, I mean that's partially just my retelling. I think sure, it's <laughs> sure. it's sort of a combination of like they they do this like mad dash run through the woods, right? And it's just sort of the implication that the adrenaline and like the physical exertion mm-hmm. kind of gets to her. And like I said, she's an older woman. Mm-hmm. Oh, good um, point. Yeah, fair enough. So it it just starts to get to her. But it's just kind of an added level of, like, peril, I guess, mm-hmm. in, like, the climax of the story. Because, mm-hmm. like, they don't, they don't, I think, realize that she's having a heart attack until, like, they get to the hospital. But she's clearly not doing well. Mm, she's clearly not fine. Yeah. yeah. Well, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess, how did you feel about it? I, you know, my, yeah. I was satisfied, but I mm-hmm. always like more exposition. How did you feel about it? Were you satisfied? I, yeah, I liked it. I would have liked, again, this was sort of a bit of a hard one to relate because lots of the information we get is like third or fourth hand and kind of confusingly told right so yeah i i might also have liked more information but also at the same time i i do kind of agree with the idea that like the less information you have about something the mm-hmm. scarier it is definitely like the scariest part of the book for me was before she has any understanding of what's going on mm-hmm. and she just sees the deer yes, walking indeed. around yeah totally like that's the spookiest part yeah yeah indeed you're absolutely right. As you learn more, it definitely does become less and less scary. Yeah. I just, I am just so curious, you know? Yeah. I just want to know how it works. That's just me, I guess. But I definitely feel you. And I agree with you that it is scarier the less that you know. So, mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's something that all horror writers have to kind of grapple with mm-hmm. the the difference between like wanting to write something scary and wanting to have a story that's more easily understood mm-hmm. or like has a satisfying narrative arc or like mm-hmm. has a satisfying explanation mm-hmm. to like a mystery and that's just it you know like we were discussing some some current horror tv before we started dreaming and uh, or streaming recording and uh, <laughs> i'm such an old man and um i was even saying that this one show in particular that i'm watching at the halfway point because you start to understand more mm-hmm. about the mechanics of the supernatural in this universe it becomes less horror and more just drama you know Mm -hmm. and i I, you know i'm fine with that in in the context (laughs) of that story but uh but you're absolutely right you're absolutely right yeah and like one of my favorite things at the moment which i think i've referenced before on this podcast is the podcast the magnus archives which has like a classifiable system for Mm. their their various horror things Mm -hmm. there's these 13 entities 
entities. Mm-hmm. And part of the fun is like once you learn that is going back through previous episodes mm-hmm. and picking out like, oh, this one is the flesh. This one is the corruption. This mm-hmm. one is the dark. Indeed. <laughs> Very similar to, again, the S- SCP stuff. Yeah. yeah. It, there's, there's a lot of history there. Mm-hmm. And as you listen to or read newer stories, mm-hmm. you can kind of pick up on the groundwork that they've already laid yeah. and, and what the implications of that is with yeah. that background knowledge, right? So Yeah, exactly. I love that element of it. I love that element yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. But indeed, I guess you're absolutely right. It all depends on what kind of story the author is trying to tell. Mm-hmm. Are they trying to write a story that has a lot of exposition and eventually becomes either a drama or a romance or an adventure or something mm-hmm. like that? Or are they trying to scare you? Yeah. Right? And this is definitely spooky. Yeah. So, in keeping with our theme for the month. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, lovely. I was going to say, do you have any, any other closing I analysis? Don't, I don't think so. Those yeah. were sort of the, the main points that yeah I liked it I thought it was spooky I was creeped out when I was reading it I'm sure oh I would be so creeped out if I was reading this thank goodness I have you here to to Um, hold my hand through it yeah and I mean if you if you thought that this sounded spooky you can always check out T. Kingfisher's new book uh, Mm -hmm. The Hollow Places Mm -hmm. just (laughs) just gonna plug her stuff why not why not so maybe she'll come on as a guest one day (laughs) that's the that's cautiously optimistic right not even cautious throwing caution to the wind really yeah. Come on our show if you're listening. Yeah. If not, listeners, this is your duty. You know, yeah. spread the word. Yeah. No, do not annoyingly tag anyone, please. <laughs> do it. It's fine. You can blame us. But uh, in any case, this was great. I guess. Would you like to introduce our next book? Yeah. So I thought next week, and we maybe should have talked about this beforehand, but I thought Oops. next time we would start in on book two of the Poppy War series, mm. The Dragon Republic mm. by R.F. Kuang. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. <laughs> okay. So excited. So excited. As I'm not sure if our, our dear listeners remember, I am uh, somewhat of an enthusiast and specialist in Chinese history. So mm. given that this is kind of an alternate take on the 20th century history of China, it's very interesting yeah. uh, to me. It, it turns I'm... my crank. So... <laughs> Why? Why is that? Why is that funny? <laughs> it just uh, turns my crank. Is that's right? Has, okay, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Let it simmer. Let okay. it simmer. <laughs> oh, geez. I'm not here to kink shame. <laughs> indeed, indeed. You know, for some people, it, you know, no, no. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna make that joke. Uh, so the I, the Dragon Republic. Yes, and I am very interested to get your take on the like historical tie-in. Indeed, yeah, yeah. Historical yeah. context, mm. major touch points. Yeah, yeah. Cannot wait. Yeah. Um. So that's gonna be fun. That's gonna be fun. That'll be next mm-hmm. week. And I guess if you've enjoyed listening, our dear listeners, and presumably you have, since you made it all the way to the end, then please leave us a rating, a thumbs up, a like, a subscribe, or whatever, depending on your respective podcast streaming platform. Anything helps, you know, get the word out. Um, And you can find all our episodes on Buzzsprout as the Brodacious Book Club. 
And you can also reach us at brodaciousbookclub at gmail.com. Thank you again so much for listening. We are rapidly approaching, as of this recording, our 1,000th download um, of the, the podcast, which is very exciting. So keep on downloading. Keep on listening. Keep That's on... Right. That's it. Keep, keep on, on keep doing what on. you're doing. Yeah, because it's working yeah. for us. <laughs> Thank you very much. And I've been Aaron Rockford. You can reach me at Pineapple Fury on Twitter. And I'm Matt Thomas. And you can reach me at msthomas95 on Twitter. And I guess it's getting pretty late, getting pretty spooky. So go lie yourselves down like the dead ones and have a great <laughs> night. <laughs>